The Last Crusade. The third yeah. one. What was Sean Connery? Oh yeah, yeah. Really? Oh no, we've got more friction. <laughs> Come on, talk to me. What's your... Please don't say Temple of Doom. Hello, and welcome to Pressing Matters, a fly-on-the-wall-style podcast about WordPress, business, and life. Your hosts are Ian. Hello. And Jack. Hello. Ian's a plug-in author and works for Delicious Brains, and Jack runs better notifications for WordPress and his web design agency. Let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Pressing Matters. Um, it's all a bit changed this week. Uh, Ian and I have done a bit of a, uh, uh, a, not a house swap, not a role reversal, but essentially Ian's moved house. So he's in uh, a bedroom where I used to be and I've finally moved into my new office. So I'm out in the garden office where Ian used to be. So um, Ian, how's it going? How's the house move? Oh yeah, it's good. Thanks, Jack. Um, yeah, what a crazy episode to have literally the first episode where we've just swapped our locations. Um, yes, yeah, location no, swap. That's what I was looking for. Yeah, when we said house swap, yeah, we're going down the role of, or the the road of life swap. Yeah, yeah. no, I I am well, thank you. The, the the last couple of weeks has been pretty manic, to be honest, because we moved. Um, we moved on a Wednesday. We had a skip on the Thursday. We did some work. We did lots of stuff. Sunday, we had all the family over for basically like a massive Father's Day slash come and all see the house in one go so we do one set of tours of the house and like not having to get everybody over like in the coming weeks and then I was away uh, that on the Monday with um, the Delicious Brains annual retreat which coincided with WordCamp Europe in Berlin so cool and then I got home on Monday that's just gone to, to basically the new house and had to remember to drive home from the airport to the new house not the old house and mm-hmm. kind of because I've been away, I've just not really registered that we've moved. So it's actually nice now that it's good weather to enjoy it a little bit, even though there's tons of stuff to do. But yeah, mm. it, it it's definitely hectic. And it sounds like you've had a very, very productive, but I, I'd imagine you've had a hectic sort of couple of weeks just getting everything ready for the Shoffice move. I, I will stop calling that if that's not what you want to call it. <laughs> Shoffice, yeah. Well, uh, you won't be able to see this, but... Uh, anyone else but I'm holding up a, a key ring with a, the Lego Batman on uh, which my daughter gave me for um, my birthday so I've been referring to it as the bat shed nice but, um, I'm not sure I'll keep that I'm not sure I can because if you say bat shed too quickly it sounds a bit like something else so uh, <laughs> I think I'm just gonna uh, just I don't know call it my garden office for the time being but um, yeah yeah it's been really hectic so a couple of weeks ago and I can't believe this was only a couple of weeks ago I went away for a week just after we spoke to Elliot in the last episode and then uh, the following week literally the day I got back within about three hours I was out in this office like hoovering and tidying up and everything and I literally set myself a, a quite a big set of tasks to do every day and I basically said, I've got a week to finish it. And that was my plan anyway. I've got a week to finish it. But um, yeah, beginning of last week. So beginning, uh, it's Friday today. So Monday last week, um, the, all the walls were up, but everything and everything was kind of sanded. But I had to do some more filling, sanding, then like two coat uh, undercoats of white paint and then the color and I had to do the ceiling and then you know, um, tidying up the windows and the doors. And then I had to put the floor down. I had to do all the electrics and the networking. Everything had to be done that week. So it was a full-on week. It was like 12-hour days. And, um, yeah, I almost came back from my holiday needing another holiday. But uh, it was it was definitely worth it. I've, I've been very happy this week. I have to say it's, um, it's you know, it's, it, it's nearly been um, seven months, really, in the making, actually. Uh, in building it and getting to a point where I can move in, so I'm really delighted that I've been in. And my 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 attitude and my, to sort of work and and that sort of having a dedicated space to work and not having it in the house, I kind of view the house differently now. Now that I've got my own separate space, um, and I, it's just really good. And I, and I've just been thinking about well, what do I want in there now? You know, I need some shelves. I need um, I got a doormat the other day. Just basic stuff that I've been yeah. sort of looking forward to. Um, getting but not knowing until I, I get in here really so yeah it's it's working out really really well well mate I, I want to say congratulations because seven months you know the build considering you've done literally everything yourself with very little help from anybody else I mean I've been watching the videos on YouTube and I think you had a bit where you you had your dad help in and 
like everything you've done has just been you doing it and that is completely alien to me so like massive like congratulations and round of applause because you've done it you're in and it sounds like what a push this last time you know couple of weeks to to get it all finished and yeah you you are a better man than me and to i can obviously see it we're not putting the videos live at the moment but it looks really really smart and like i know what you're feeling because going in there and having their own dedicated space outside of the office but a stone's throw for or outside the house should i say but a stone's throw from the house like it's really really nice isn't it it um, is it's brilliant yeah yeah i couldn't you, be more pleased and you were saying that you know you need a holiday from your holiday but <clears throat> do you know what change is as good as a holiday as they say and now you're in there you're going to be refreshed you're going to be recharged you're going to be like just enjoying being in the office um and it is it, i mean it, garden office office shed people called mine many things but it's your <laughs> office like it's your dedicated space and it's quality and, but it's strange because like i'm talking about it like i'm lamenting the loss of my office but you know i'm back in the house now and you know there's definitely pros and cons of either and i you know i'm enjoying being in the house and not having to go down the bottom of the garden but i'm also enjoying the fact that especially with two young kids and nursery runs and like my working day definitely isn't nine to five you know i sort of start work later in the mornings and finish about three to pick up my son and stuff like that. And I always tended to do work in the evenings and I will still be doing work in the evenings. But before I wouldn't really go back to my office. I wouldn't go out in the garden, especially in the winter months. I'd be laptop on the sofa watching TV with my wife and I, you know, she works on her business and I work on the stuff I'm doing. Mm. But I found that even the couple of days I've been back and I've set up the, this is like the fourth bedroom in the house and it's, the smaller, you can get a double bed in it, but it's a squeeze. Um, but I set the desk up and I've been working a couple of days and I found that, you know, once the kids are in bed, we've had dinner, I'll come up here and do an hour or so of work or maybe two hours. And then I can shut the door, leave my laptop on my desk because I was completely paranoid of security. I never left it in the ha- in the garden office. Um, I always brought it back in, but that was a slippery slope. So just using it on the sofa, but now I can just leave it on my desk. I can shut my office door, the bedroom door, and I can go downstairs and actually spend time with my wife and do stuff and watch TV without having a laptop. So, yeah, I, I'm feeling refreshed about work in this new environment as well. Um, mm. So it's all, all changed, but all good, I think, from the sounds of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, that sounds really good. Yeah, I, I completely understand where you're coming from. Having just come from that, I, I definitely understand. Um, and uh, I think I'm, I'm taking security in here quite seriously. Um, like, you know, the locks that I've got on the windows and the doors and stuff are really, really good. Um, the cameras are going up very soon uh, for inside and outside, that sort of thing. Again, if you can't, you can't say there's a network point just here, which is yep. where the internal camera is going to go. And, um, and yeah, it's, it, I'm ordering blinds and doing all sorts of stuff. And I, I'm getting to a point where I feel comfortable enough that everything's kind of safe and secure. So they don't have to have it in the house. But, um, but yeah, I completely understand uh, that, that feeling of security. Definitely, definitely. Um, moving on, uh, naturally, because we don't want to bore everybody <laughs> with uh, all this. But um, moving, moving on, we haven't really got an agenda for this um, podcast, have we really? We're just going to have a, a general chit-chat about a few few things that are coming up Um uh, there was a conversation we were having yesterday, um, as well as uh, WordCamp Europe, which obviously you went to. Um, mm-hmm. How how did that go? You said you met some some cool people. Some people have been in touch with us about you know sort of you know uh, either appearing on the podcast or us appearing on their podcast, and you know all kinds of bits and pieces. Of that and how was it? Yeah, it was a really really good conference. Um, it's an interesting. One. I actually wrote um, a recap post on the Delicious Brains blog that went live a couple of days ago. Um, and I'd written about how, you know, I'd experienced the WordCamp as a, as a place to go, not necessarily to go and listen to lots of talks, but just to go and catch up with people. Basically use the hallway track and uh, hang out in the big room that had all the sponsors and try and meet people, talk to people that I knew, um, meet people that I'd only ever either spoken to on Twitter or people like in the community that, you don't generally count as somebody that you have contact with, but you know of them. People like uh, John James Jacoby, who 
you know, mm-hmm. Buddy Press, or BB Press, and um, works for Pippin Williams, his team, Sandhill Development. Mm-hmm. Morton Hendrickson, who's, you know, big personalities within the WordPress world, and you kind of, you know of them and you see them, but actually just bumping into them and going, oh, hi, and having a chat, like, I definitely, I don't want to use the word networking, but I definitely connected with more people than I've ever done at a conference. And because it was WordCamp Europe, the scale of it and the amount of attendees and the amount of kind of those types of people that were there meant that I got, I got a lot out of it. Um, like I, I mentioned in the post, I made a list of about 12 to 15 people that I knew through Twitter, through having a plugin and either people had like I'd done work for or I'd spoken to or I'd come across through WP App Store, like people selling their own plugins on on there um, that were at the conference. And I just specifically listed them, tweeted them, DM them and said like, are you going to be there? I'm going to be there. Should we have a catch up? It would be nice. Um, and I just ticked off people. It was like a, it was my own Pokemon style. Like I've got to make sure I, I complete this list of speaking to people and ticking them off. And it was really fulfilling. It was really nice. Um, and yeah, I bumped into a guy called Joe Howard, who does the WP MRR podcast. He runs WP Buffs, and he's an American guy. He, and he contacted us about, I think he'd obviously heard the Elliot Condon interview, which has kind of definitely been our biggest episode to date in terms of listening. Um, yeah. And he was like, yeah, cool. I, sound, I dig what you guys are doing. He was happy to come on the podcast whenever, which is nice, and happy to have either of us or both of us or one of, you know, on WPM MRR. And I also, yeah, we bumped into the guys behind the podcast plugin that we use, which is Seriously Simple Podcasting. So we bumped into Craig Hewitt, who's the owner of the pod, the plugin, and CastOS or Castos.com, which is their sort of hosted podcast service, which incidentally we don't use, but I spoke about it quite a lot. And a guy called John Basinga, who's a South African, who's their lead developer. Um, mm-hmm. And I've spoken to him on post data Slack before. Um, so yeah, it was really good to make connections. And the, the WordCamp was awesome. I saw a few talks, but like, I tried to rationalize it as a case of probably missing some talks that I would like to see. But they're on the live stream. They're on WordPress TV within a week or so. Like You can't get those people back that were there. So why not just, you know, make the most of them and, and meet up with people. Um, and it was, it was really nice because as I said, we, it was the delicious brains annual retreat. So we were there from Monday to Monday and the conference was at the back end of the week. So we did a lot of like team building stuff and we stayed in and some apartments and we had face to face meetings, you know, it's a distributed company. It was really important to do it once a year or mm. you know, possibly sooner than that. Um, and, and just do things like we didn't do a heavy amount of work. We kept up with plugin support and we had product meetings and we had a company meeting, company wide meeting. And we just had those kind of organic conversations that you don't really get if you schedule a zoom to talk weekly about a product, sometimes like discussing ideas for new products and things like that, that just come out from just sitting around like, hanging out uh one of the guys gilbert brought his switch on the airplane and so we were just playing mario kart and yeah just very natural conversations that um can evolve from just hanging out so yeah that was really good it was really nice to see the team um and i'm quite um, i'm I was trying to look at other word camps in the uk or around the uk this year um to to go to because like every time that I go to a WordCamp, I think, oh, I do like WordCamps. It's such a great community. Um, mm. And like, I want to do sort of more of them. And plus there's obviously about four or five people in the UK working for Delicious Brains. So it'd be nice to do like a an intermediate, um, not retreat, but, a, you know, a meetup with some of the, the team uh, in between the annual retreats. So there's like WordCamp Brighton in August, which might be a bit too soon but I probably will try and go to anyway. And WordCamp Dublin, which seems to be quite good, a good idea in October. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I have a renewed love for WordCamps again. I think I say this probably every time I go to one, but yeah, it was a really good week. Uh, and now it's kind of back to, back to the reality of just working and getting, getting your head down in a distributed fashion. Yeah. Uh, what, what, about, 
What about yourself? Well, yeah, any thoughts you had on on work camps? Are you thinking of doing any this year? So, yeah, it. I, I did. I did a word word camp Bristol a couple of years ago. It was the first word camp Bristol. It was twenty seventeen. I and I spoke to it as well, and that's my only experience of word camp to be honest with you and i enjoyed it but at the same time you know what with um i only just had my daughter then and everything it was local you know i i'm just outside of bath you know bristol is actually only 11 miles from bath um oh, wow. it's, it's not far at all um it's just the roads to get there are an absolute nightmare so it take you like an hour to go 11 miles that's <laughs> so 11 miles an hour so um it's it, that's the only experience I've really got out of it. And, and there's no particular reason other than um, the cost involved usually on going to these things. Like WordCamp Europe is one I, w- I really want to go to. I mean, I, I love, you know, going to Europe. I, go, I love going on holiday Europe and city breaks and all that sort of stuff. And I've, I've done plenty of those, you know, in my life. And going to WordCamp Europe is always something that's really appealed to me. But there's always that um, that cost that, that puts me off. Um, and I'm not, you know, stingy or, or, or cheap, you know, um, you know, I, I like my garden office, for example, I didn't cut any corners or build it out of pallet wood or anything like that. I, I always try and do like a proper job and stuff. But it's, you know, getting to Bristol, really easy. You know, the ticket was um, free because I was a speaker, but I paid for it anyway. And, you know, the, the cost to get there is, is not very high. And anywhere else in the UK is usually not very high. Um, but as soon as you go to Europe, there's obviously, you know, you've got to take trains or fly or and then stay and then it you know depending on what country it's in it could be a more expensive country to um you know eat and drink in and all that sort of stuff and what could be you know a 50 100 pound kind of ticket at the most might be 35 quid i honestly don't know what what was the cost of the eu ticket this year do you remember i think it's like 40 euros um which okay. you know, in terms of conference costs it's minimal but yeah i get what you're saying with a you know a european destination it's, that's not just the cost of it, and it is pricey. No, exactly. You're looking at hundreds and hundreds of pounds, and you know, uh, a lot of places know that when there's a big conference, you know, coming up, they kind of jack up the prices of everything, as well. Yeah. So actually, I've I've always been a bit off put by. It's not just work camps either; it's conferences in general, um, because the 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 cost of going is so much higher than the, the the sometimes I think the value that you get out of them. And when it comes to word camps as well, you can watch everything on WordPress.tv. Yes, you don't get that um, you know one to one chats and bumping into people and seeing people that you would want to meet in real life. And and that is the reason one hundred percent I would. I would go mainly is for that. The, the speakers are, are a bonus, I think. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, being that you can see so much on WordPress.tv, I, I still feel included in all of that. And that is the wonderful thing about the WordPress community, I think, is that, you know, you can, you don't have to, they lower the barrier of entry to, to these things. You don't have to pay like, you know, as much, as much money as it's required to go to WordCamp Europe. You can watch it on WordPress.tv. And I really like that. And, I almost want to support that part, which is why I, I don't always necessarily go to, you know, uh, these conferences. I've done plenty of conferences. It's just, yeah, after a while it becomes a bit off, off-putting. And I haven't got the heart, especially at the moment, to, um, to leave my wife with, you know, a toddler and a young baby. So it's, um, it's yeah, you know, that. and I appreciate you're about a year ahead of me. So it's, it's certainly easy and we don't have family around to sort of help out and stuff like that so there's there's kind of you know family and you know personal life kind of implications of, of going to these things as well um but i def i would love to i mean i saw that WordCamp europe is in porto next year um and i've never been to portugal and i've always wanted to go so it'd be quite nice to to do that yeah yeah a coastal town in portugal a coastal city i and i yeah. totally get what you're saying and, and to be honest if i wasn't work for delicious brains and we didn't do the annual retreat in berlin around the conference i wouldn't have gone to word camp europe it's mm-hmm. it's a stretch it's a stretch for you know with a family it's a stretch with and it was a stretch going a week away when with my wife having you know two two kids at home for a week i mean that is it, it is tough but it's yeah uh, i think i i would struggle going and i don't you know i haven't been to word camp london for a couple of years I only went to Brighton because it's, you know, sort of a two hour drive. And I went on the, it was a Friday and Saturday with the two conference days. And I drove up on the Friday, did the day and came back. And it was kind of, uh, it was, it was easy to do in that sense. But yeah, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be going to a lot of these things 
if it wasn't for delicious brains, I guess. And and I think it's a it's the case of people who are freelancers versus people who work for these plug-in companies that are either sponsoring it. You know, you, WordCamp Europe, there was probably about 30 people from the Yoast company who, right. know, they were manning a sponsor booth, but they have that, uh, they have that sort of dog in the fight that, that they, it, it's worth their while having that presence. They're all in their sort of purple t-shirts and or mauve t-shirts or whatever. And yeah, if for freelancers, it doesn't always make sense. However, I do think that the community aspect of meeting the people on the hallway track is really quite important. Not important, but it, it can be very helpful, I think, because um, you don't know who you're going to meet. You don't know what kind of like things that might come from it. Um, yeah. But yes, saying that, I, like we should try and coincide if we're going to, like maybe not this year, but next year, try and, I don't know, make make sure that the WordCamp London weekend is free and maybe we should meet up and do it um, because it's like, it would be, it would be cool to meet up and, and do that. Um, and yeah, keep, I agree. Keep it, you know, easy in terms of it's just a train up to London rather than flights to Europe and whatnot. But yeah, I mean, so it's having a look now, actually WordCamp London 5th to the 7th of April. March. Oh, no, April. Sorry, that's that's 2019. Where are we? 2020. Breaking yes. my year behind myself. I'm not sure if they've even got organisers as a or a date yet, but no, no. I mean, it's a few European ones. But yeah. Incidentally, to that, we I think we will be planning. This is probably 90 percent decided. We'll be planning our next year's delicious range retreat around Porto and WordCamp Europe, mm. um, purely because. In the same way, I was just talking about Yoast. We're a WordPress product company. We've got plugins. We've got Spin Up WP, like the new service. So, talking to customers, talking to potential customers, and you know, maybe becoming a sponsor, it is worth our while. But again, that's because it's a bigger company. It's not just freelancers. It's it's a different ball game. Yeah, um, it it does make sense. It it does very much make sense. Yeah. Um, no, I agree with that. Um, I mean, the uh, I saw also that you got the, a, a picture in the background of another picture for, with Matt Mullenweg. So yeah, that was uh, that was brilliant. I saw that. You, it looked like you were completely unaware of that sort of photo, or that Matt was sort of anywhere near you, really. Yeah, I totally was. And and to Matt's credit, he does just sort of um, wander around these things at the after parties because that was at the after party and. He's very happy, but from the looks of it, just to talk to people and, and chat and take photos and everything. But I actually didn't see him there at all at the after party. I went to see his kind of summer recap um, talk and Q&A session, which was quite interesting. I think the, the European crowd are a much tougher crowd for him than when he does WordCamp US and State of the Word and maybe takes questions from the audience in the US. Um, right. There was a lot of questions around like, uh, the, how should we make the the project more democratic and when are we getting rid of track and the multilingual support and a lot of stuff that got cheers from the audience that weren't necessarily stuff that Matt was saying it was more like Ugh, okay how's he gonna how's he gonna answer this question because obviously the European community want to uh, hold this quite a as a high priority. Um, but Matt is such a good politician. Like, you know, he, the more I see him and the more I kind of realize that spearheading such a big project, like it's so easy to criticize, but he, he does phenomenally well at running the project and running everything else that he does. Um, and when he just stands up and has a Q and a session with, you know, sometimes quite, partisan crowds like we had one guy who first question of the session he was almost went into like a he had a written sheet in front of him i think and he went into like a diatribe about how invato because this there's a background story that invato the co canyon the theme forest marketplace they've never historically been gpl although they have they do allow authors now to mark their products as gpl or part gpl so they've never, I don't think they, there's a funny relationship and there's a funny backstory or history where they're not allowed to sponsor meetups and they're not allowed to sponsor WordCamps 
Uh, and I think that, you know, long story short, there was a miscommunication and uh, a language barrier issue where the person asking the question wasn't, uh, didn't think that Invato authors could come to meetups. I think that was the gist of it. So he was really, really, it was quite aggressive um, questions to Matt and how can you let Invato, who are such a big deal in the community, like stating that Invato, that how Theme Forest and Co Canyon have changed WordPress and they WordPress wouldn't be where it was without Theme Forest and Co Canyon. Um, and, and just, there was no question in this, his question. It was a statement. It was an attack. It was a kind of very aggressive um, uh, statement that he read out. And props to the guy, Casper, who was the MC, and he was sort of comparing the uh, Q&A, who kind of shut it down quickly. But yeah, Matt is very good at dealing with those things. Um, but it was certainly a... a an interesting Q&A session because mm. to Europeans and, you know, the non-English speaking European countries that they want multilingual stuff. They want these things and they don't want perhaps the, the push for Gutenberg and the, the new phase of block editor over something like, you know, native multi-language support in WordPress, um, which from the sounds of it, that is coming in the block editor for um, the sort of the secondary or uh, later phases of of Gutenberg and the project, um, which I found quite interesting, considering there was probably about three or four sponsors of the WordCamp who were plug-in or product companies around translation, multilingual support within WordPress. So, yeah, mm -hmm. it will be an interesting landscape going forward. Yeah, absolutely. I am interested in multilingual stuff. Not that it, you know affects me because obviously I, I speak English and I and I don't have a second language. Um, but uh, I am always interested in that. And uh, you know, I think in hand with multilingual goes multi currency as well. And that's something that I've um, had to deal with on on multiple occasions. And I wrote a fairly lengthy blog post. Uh, year or two ago now about you know just don't even bother with multilingual stuff in in wordpress and it's and that's not wordpress's fault it's just that no one's come up with a really good solution for it yet and um and ultimately my advice was just to run separate stores for different uh currencies like you get online whether you go to amazon.com or amazon.co.uk or you know uh, you know any clothing site tends to be you know can't think of an example right now, but you know, you go to apple.com or apple.co.uk, you know, go to all these different places that are, all have separate, separate sites. And, and I kind of wonder whether that's the answer at the moment for multilingual, uh, multi-language, you know, websites as, as well at present have like, you know, different, uh, team or different people kind of working on the different languages and the different versions of that site. Um, but I appreciate it's a bit of a, uh, you know, an editorial nightmare for syncing up content in different languages and everything. But um, yeah. until, until they do solve it in core, I think, you know, that that is going to become a, a that's going to be a, a headache. But there are good plugins out there that allow you to translate, you know, pages and things. You know, yes, it's not everywhere, you know, but, you know, if you want to translate a page into Spanish or French or German or whatever it is that you want to translate it into, um, you know, you can say, well, you kind of, you kind of have uh, different iterations of the same page, don't you? Usually prefix with the... Uh, with the uh, the language um, code, yeah, exactly. So, um, so yeah, so the, I think there are there are solutions, but I'd be very interested to see how they how they do that. Ignoring Gutenberg entirely, you know, I'd be interested to see how they come up with that because I think actually when they do do it, you can see that it'll probably be quite a neat kind of solution because it'll be baked in. It'll be more. Um, it'll be less obvious as a plugin, you know, putting their layer on top of WordPress, it will be just kind of, it'll just be there, which I think would be quite nice to say. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see how restricted it is to the block editor and whether or not, you know, it's, it's a case of you can have really, really nice inline and um, really elegant multilingual support, but you need to be using the block editor. Like it, it will be a push to, to kind of make that now the, the way forward. Um, yeah, yeah, I think that's normal. I think that's I think that's to be expected, though. Um, yeah, true, true. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, uh, just a note about you'd mentioned the multi-currency stuff. So is this a case of uh, you've been looking in the past to 
charge different currencies to different customers for better notifications for your e-commerce site? Oh, not for myself. I decided um, after, well, long ago, actually, that I wasn't going to do multi-currency. I looked at other sites and they either charge in just dollars or they charge in, like Elliot charges in Australian dollars and, you know, all yeah. that sort of stuff. And I thought, I'm in you England, I'm going to charge pounds. I don't want yeah. the costs of currency conversion, either at my bank or my payment process or whatever. It just takes that little bit extra off the top. And I'm never, ever, ever in... How long have I done this for? Well, this is four years, actually. I think my store has been open just over four years. And I've never had one person say, do you offer it in this currency? I guess if you sell it in PayPal, it doesn't matter because if you've got a PayPal account, it will just translate that, that it will be the currency conversion for the buyer. So, yeah, it should. I, I don't have PayPal anymore. I used to. Are you fully on Stripe then? Yeah, I'm, I'm full on Stripe, only because PayPal closed my account uh, um, I made a video about it. It's on my YouTube channel. Um, they just closed it literally like, overnight, and um, all my recurring payments up to that date uh, failed. Like every everything, they just shut that off that revenue stream altogether, um, and they were just extremely unhelpful. In they were unhelpful. I mean, you know, they say yeah, <clears> we'll get back to you. They never get back to you, you know, and all yeah. of that stuff. So I said, oh, I'll just go with Stripe, and I've had like three people since. 2017 no 20 i think it was early 2018 actually i've had like three people say do you take paypal no yeah i think i take this which is powered by stripe if you want to go and have a look at stripe and you know satisfy yourself that it's secure then please feel free but otherwise no i'm sorry don't do paypal yeah that's interesting anyway because you you obviously had that nightmare with paypal and i do remember watching the video but it's it's interesting you're almost ahead of the curve there because um from a delicious brains point of view I think PayPal recently up, ups their fees or the percentage of their fees and PayPal is pretty horrendous in terms of developer experience anyway. Um, yeah. So we, we did a, a piece of work to try and really, really downplay the PayPal checkout option and to push Stripe and the credit card as the primary um, with, a, with a view to eventually thinning down how many PayPal um, purchases come in to a point where we just get rid of PayPal as an option and just go fully to Stripe. Um, yeah. because yeah, it's, it's, it's not great. Um, so yeah, you were definitely ahead of it there and it's, it's probably nice, much nicer just using Stripe. It is. It's, it's nice for a couple of reasons. Um, and I, and I, you know, I made a video about it, you know, and obviously I've had a few years to kind of reflect on it now, but, um, it's nice because Stripe bring out things like they brought out that extra payment protection thing where for a slight increase in your fees that they take, um, they now protect you against like chargebacks and stuff like that. So you don't have to pay chargeback fees or anything. Um, mm. You just got to update your checkout, uh, the API that your checkout uses and update like a little bit of your code, I think, because of the API change. And then you can do it. Now I use easy downloads and I contacted them about this and they said, we haven't got that in place yet, but we will do soon. Um, so as soon, <clears throat> as soon as EDD kind of update there, you know, their Stripe integration, then I'm going to enable that. But they bring out these things that are really good for um, businesses and they seem to care about businesses. PayPal, I haven't seen them really innovate on anything other than try and compete for the square, you know, the card reader that plugs into your phone. Um, yeah. And I, I'm probably wrong. I'm, you know, if, if anyone's listening and they do a lot of PayPal development, then I, I, I'm well out of the loop with this because I don't care about PayPal anymore, you know, and I've kind of just tend to ignore them really. I use them for eBay purchases, personal eBay purchases, and that's about it really these days. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I haven't really stayed in the loop with it, but I, they don't just, they just don't feel like a company that cares about developers. It, it's, it's almost like, you know, banks. Banks mm. were, you know, they were like, oh, this new, people want to take payments online. We see people like PayPal and Stripe and other companies kind of being this kind of um, universal payment gateway that anyone can use. They don't have to go virus anymore. They deposit the money into their bank account, our bank account. Um, we want a piece of this. So we're going to set up like merchant accounts and, you know, internet, you have like have an internet um, payment ID or something like that with them and, you know, set that up. If you ever try to set up like HSBC or Barclays like merchant gateway with a, like WooCommerce store, it's horrible. It's just horrible. Yeah. They don't care. It's it's a bolt on to their existing business model, which does not take 
you know, the internet into account. It, it, I mean, a lot of banks arguably are still, you know, you go to the, your online banking and it's a terrible experience. And that's why banks like Monzo and, you know, uh, Resolve and stuff like that are all popping up because they're like the banking system, the banking layout is broken. It's, it's not what people want. It's not suitable for a modern day world or economy. Um, the only reason they do well is because of their size that they even, you know, they've, uh, that they've, that they've grown to um, over, you know, decades or, or possibly, especially in this country, hundreds of years. Yeah, so, from the high street. Yeah. From the high street, exactly. So, yeah, it's, it's, it feels a bit like that. PayPal, I just feel like I'm behind the times, you know, Stripe and Monzo, all these sort of more online services, which appeal to me because obviously I'm a, you know, I work with the internet. That's my job. Um, yeah. As most people probably that listen to this podcast, it, it appeals to me more to kind of go with these people. And I like people that think forward and, you know, think what customers could have and could do and, you know, try and try and embrace that. And I have yet to see any banks really, um, embrace all of that or PayPal for that matter, embrace the fact that they exist in this developing online space. You know, it seems like if you're pay, if you use it for paying with it for eBay, then great. But otherwise, you know, my advice would just be give it a miss. <laughs> yeah. And it, I think PayPal is one of those companies where you think do PayPal and PayPal's developers, do they actually use PayPal? Because the UI and the user experience of PayPal.com and as a, as a merchant and as a user, it like, it's horrendous. There's still um, a legacy of their redesign that some oh, yeah. tabs, some screens you go to, and it's the old, and some of the new. And I, you know, I went into um, my personal PayPal account the other day to do some expenses, you know, from Uber um, journeys, and like the activity tab or the summary tab. I just want a balance. I want to know what the the euro uh, amount was. What was the conversion? And just like the user experience of having to drop down on each one and you can't use the back button. And like, it's, mm. it's 2019 and it's clear that PayPal don't use their own product. It's, it's, it's a nightmare. Um, yeah. So it's yeah, very last decade. <laughs> strike for the win for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah. Currency. Yeah. Cl- yeah. Currency. Yeah. Classic, classic frame. Classic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> something actually we were talking about yesterday and, and I thought about this actually yesterday afternoon after I mentioned it. So we were talking about, there's, there's a couple of people got in touch, haven't they, about sponsoring the show, um, which we're happy about. We're kind of, you know, we pondered about how we're going to do it and what we were going to do. And if anyone got in touch or if anyone listened to the show at all, you know, and um, I won't name names because, you know, it's all going to sort of, you know, we're going to sort all that out. But <clears throat> Jack got in touch. Uh, he's got um, a pretty decent looking uh, plug-in it's got a free version and a paid version and he actually offered uh, a a license for his pro version for us to test out so we can either talk about it on the podcast or get him on or whatever you know for the purposes of sponsorship and Ian set up the pressing matter site so it's all done in like composer and I was like, well, how do we install premium plugins? Obviously, aren't you know in a uh, you know they don't have like a repo, an online repo somewhere or something. Um, so yeah, how do we, how do we do that? And I'm sorry, Ian, to say that it took you a couple of days to re- respond to that. I appreciate you've been moving house and been at WordCamp, but I ended up just installing it via the the dashboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, oh, I sent some tension, some tension. <laughs> <laughs> This is the end of pressing the last up. episode. Um, yeah, the composer, the hill that we died on. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had a good run. Yeah, twelve episodes. <laughs> um, yeah, no. Uh, so anyway, I, I did that, and then you said, "Okay, so you need to do this file, and then you need to do this, and you need to. This is how you need to. You need to pull it from here, and then you need to do this and change that and push it up." And I was oh, like, yeah. And I said straight away, "I like the old way." Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Let, you, can't, you can't beat the old way. <laughs> no. And, you know, give, give me a second to defend myself, Jack. This is, yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, yeah. This, you know, I, I, I'm coming from, a, uh, from a, a team environment where all the projects we set up, even the, even the WordPress sites are, you know, the, the whole site is managed on Git. It's a composer-based site. Um, we have, you know, all of our plugins the, the free plugins are brought in via Composer, via pack, uh, dependencies. 
the premium plugins, especially for delicious brains, are they're actually kept in Git because not every plugin company has uh, composer support for their premium plugins, unlike delicious brains. Shameless plug. Um, but <laughs> and for my own personal sites, I do exactly the same. Like they're never going to be touched by anyone, probably other than me. But I'm just in that routine of you know keeping it on Git. Yeah. And um, for premium plugins, I run a an install which is basically like a composer repository using the Sartis Press pl- plugin, which I think it might have changed its name, but I'll link to the show notes. So any premium plugin that I buy and I use is installed on this site, and it is a repository that I can, um, all my other sites, I can just say, you know, go and get this premium plugin from this repository. But it needs authentication, which is why I gave you that auth.json file. Um, mm-hmm. It connects via, or Composer uses basic authentication, so there's a username and password in that file for my Sartis Press install. So yeah, the instructions I gave you were a little bit long-winded, and it's the initial setup. And I can I, I can definitely get where you're coming from as a kind of you know, you're building sites for yourself or for clients, and it's just you. So therefore, you do it a certain way, and it's probably the least uh, path of resistance because it's just a case of installing stuff and. And I guess the, the good, well, I'm not sure. I've never decided whether or not this is a good thing or a bad thing, but even on composer-based sites, you can still install plugins via the WP admin, like, you know, mm-hmm. you foul, um, which is easy. It's good for an easy way to get up and running. However, the next time I um, do work on the site and I do a Git pull or whatever, it's not in Git, so I won't have that plugin. So there is that disconnect there. Mm-hmm. Um I guess what we what are we trying to say? Like, what's better? What do our u- listeners use? Like, how do they approach sites, especially yeah. in collaboration in a collaboration environment? Um, do does anyone hate composer? Like Jack is you know inferring, or or you know uh, is it is it a tooling that actually becomes cumbersome? Obviously, I like I'm a big advocate for it because. I love bringing in packages and not reinventing the wheel and plugins and WordPress is a package. They're a dependency. They're not, shouldn't be part of the site. Um, so I'm kind of, I'm indoctrinated in that way of working for sure. Mm -hmm. But I can see how it takes a while to get to that stage. And, and if you're using it for the first time, you're like, Oh, this is, this is awkward. This isn't easy. Like why would I need to do this when I could just do this? Um, yeah, no, I, I completely. I, firstly, I completely understand what what you're doing. I mean, if you if I was setting up a new site, why would I do it any differently to how I do any other website? You know, it's um, I, I'm just going to be creating more work for myself, especially if I know that I've got a way that I work quicker in. So I totally understand that. And I have used Composer on on WordPress sites, and I have no no problem with it. It's another uh, tool for doing it. And some people that um, you know, may have come from a composer background, but not working specifically with WordPress, will find it very easy to segue into suddenly developing with WordPress as well, which is quite nice. I think Mm. the issue that um, I have, not specifically with, you know, um, doing it like this, because ultimately if I, for example, between us, if um, obviously it's not between us, I mean like, you know, between working together, um, if I as you work on the site, if I said, would you mind installing this plugin and you work with composer every day where I don't, I could say, would you mind doing that? And I, you know, you could, you could kind of do that using composer. You could set it all up and you could install it and that's all fine. So that's not a problem. I appreciate that in a team environment, you can't get one person to do all the management of composer and stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah. I, but I, I completely understand all of that. And my issue is not necessarily with composer It's is uh, it's, it's that barrier of entry. That's that's the thing that always sort of bothers me. It's um, it, it's uh, I saw a tweet. I saw a tweet. It was ages ago now, but it was about what do you need to start writing JavaScript in like 2018 or 2017 or whenever it was, and it was like you. It was like a 50 step list to start writing JavaScript on a site. When really, what you should be doing is opening up a you know a code editor or something, and an IDE or a you know. A, text editor and just start actually writing it as opposed to installing you know your framework and you know doing it by composer and setting up git and all that sort of thing and 
you just think, no wonder a lot of these things put people off. I mean, it's, it, to be honest with you, especially with Java, JavaScript, I think it's one of the reasons that's put me off looking more further into it. Um, because uh, whilst I do, I've used Composer and I've used Package Management and I, and I can do those things if I wanted to and everything. Um, running web servers in the terminal, not something that... I normally do on a daily basis, you know, keeping track and remembering how all these things tie together and then doing something else in my existing workflow. Not again, not something I would you know, kind of get used to. There doesn't seem to be a, a, an easy way to do it in the way that I work. So I found that a lot, a lot of the time, these, some of these sort of things I should learn or should learn more about like composer or, um, you know, um, react or view or whatever, writing JavaScript in general. Um, it, I find it, it's just more complicated than it, than it needs to be. And that was, that was my point really. And it, it actually reminded me of a, of a minor debate I had with my mum a couple of weeks ago. Um, it was a minor a, debate, <laughs> a minor debate. Um, so I, I, I went to, we got a new, it's not a new car. We bought a new old car last year, new car for us. And it came with two keys. One was a uh, key where you press a button and it locks and unlocks the car, you know, like sort of you get normally these days. And the other one was a key you had to put in the lock, in the door and open it. Mm. My wife uses that car more than I do. So I said, well, you have the clicky key and I'll just have the, the locky key. So that was fine. Um, except for when I was trying to juggle getting things out of the car, we were parked on like a bit on a sort of a, not a dangerous bit of road, but a busy road. And I had to get my daughter out one side and put her around the other. And I wanted to make sure she stays on the, uh, you know, on the path and everything. And being like a two-year-old, like she was at the time, you know, you can never be quite sure what they're going to do whilst your back's turned for a, for a second, especially when you're near a main road. And I thought, you know what? If I had a clicky key, I could just press the button and it would lock the car and I don't have to worry about going around the other side and getting around, putting her on the pavement. And it's kind of, you know. Mm. Um, and uh, I remember saying, I just, in conversation, I can't remember where it you know, in what part of the conversation or what we were talking about, I said to my mom, I was going to get another key for the car. And she's like, you got one. And I was like, yeah. And she's like, well, what's wrong with it? And I was like, well, it doesn't, you can't press a button to lock it. And she was like, well, well we used to just use the, the key to put it in the lock. And I was like, yeah, but, and then I explained what I just explained to you. And she's yeah. like, I don't understand. When, when they go wrong, they go really wrong. And I was like, but everything, anything that goes wrong is a pain in the butt. You know, uh, it, yeah. you press a clicky, you know, what, what could go wrong on a clicky key? You press the button and the battery could run out or the radio inside the car that picks it up doesn't work or the one in your key doesn't work or, you know, or something. There are a number of things that could go wrong. And having had a car where you put the key in the door and you lock the door and the, the lock itself breaks with the key, or it's so frozen, the lock's frozen, so you can't actually exactly. put it in. I was going to say that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I, <laughs> story for another time, maybe. But there was a period where I used to have a golf, and I was a period for about two weeks where I had to get into my car via the boot because it was the only lock that still worked until I had the, um, the locks on both the driver and the passenger door replaced. Nice. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, that wouldn't have happened with it necessarily with a clicky, clicky key. So I, I said, look, you know, we've moved forward. Things are better because I've got the single button that I can use to, you know, I, I don't have to walk around it. I'd have to put the key and I have to turn it. It's just easier. I press one button with my thumb. That's it done. This car is locked or unlocked, whatever it might be. And, um, she didn't understand why the old way was any worse than the new way. And I said the new way was just easier. And she implied that the old way worked perfectly fine just for her. And the thing that it boils down to was mostly because she's a bit adverse to technology. She doesn't use a computer. She's got, if she could have a Nokia 3210, she would, uh, you know, one of those classic gray phones. I, from like I would now as well. Really? And, yeah. um, that's definitely a conversation for another time, Ian. <laughs> I don't know more about that. Um, yeah. But, but so, hang on, yeah. are you are you just do, like arguing against your point here? Are you your mum in this composer argument discussion? No. no, my point is is that it's easier to press the button these days. Mm. It's easier to use, um, in my opinion, just to go to the WP admin, press add, and install the plugin. Okay. Mm. 
in in my analogy with the WordPress thing, I'm using the old way and you're using a, a newer way or a different way. It's not necessarily newer as such, but with her yeah. way, it was, I use the old way, even though it takes me more time. And I said, I use the new way. And I think the argument I said was, I'm not gonna spend two weeks of my life. If you think of all the times you walk around the car, you might spend up to two weeks in time in your life walking around a car to lock it or lock it, uh, unlock it. And I said, I'm not prepared to do that. And I said, um, and I thought to myself, this is, this is classic, my mama. And I said, um, look, when the inevitable happens, I don't feel that when I get to the pearly gates, someone's going to let me in on the basis that I did it the hard way. And for mm. me, I think of things in that way. So I say, okay, well, what's the easiest way to do this? As long as I'm not exploiting anyone or upsetting anyone or whatever, how can I do this the easiest way? And for me, that is pressing the button on the, the key to lock the car and going to the WordPress admin and pressing add new, or yeah. if I'm being honest, using WPLCLI, which I use because it's much quicker to write a command and activate a plugin doing that, then there is lots and lots of clicks in the WordPress admin. So, oh yeah, you've just let yourself open though for me to come in and go, we'll type in WPCLI, install, you know, a Kismet hyphen hyphen or uh, activate. Uh, activate is just, the same probably amount of characters is write it in composer required w packages slash plugin um, hyphen plugin slash akismet. However, yes, I agree with you, and I do totally see where you're coming from. And I think we've spoken about it in probably a couple of episodes before when we talked about Gutenberg and the new shiny, the new React and JavaScript. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like if you're working in a way that perhaps isn't the new tooling or the new shiny. It doesn't matter because you're getting the job done. And like, we, I don't think, I think collectively we can't beat ourselves up about not using the new other technology, other ways of doing things, not better, not worse, but whatever. Mm -hmm. And I, I guess my, the thing I'll only, like the last thing I'll say is you will need, you will use it when you need to use it. Like, and I, I think I've said this to you in the past, if you suddenly, if you join a team, you, you join the bigger team or you hire more developers for, for made with fuel, you will suddenly be in a position where you perhaps might have to use those tools because for, for collaboration, but it doesn't fit your need right now. So why, why worry about it? Because at the end of the day, you're getting the job done, you're doing it. Um, and, and we'll just probably have this like ongoing friction, which will just make good podcast fodder. So that's fine. It's all cool. Right. It's, no, it's good. And you, you raise a good point in that it's one person versus like a team kind of thing. I do agree with that to an extent. Um, and I'm not trying to be argumentative for the sake of being argumentative or, or, or force my opinion. Because I, like I say, I, I'm quite happy. They, they both coexist. They both have their places. Like, you know, you don't say it's one person or a team or anything. Yeah. It, just, it was just interesting. I thought how it was just me and you. And you were like, I'll oh, do all of this stuff to kind of get set up. And I was like, can I not just send it to you, please? Or can I just go to the WP admin? <laughs> well, do you, know, do you know what? I mean, that's the thing. I, I, I thought that you wanted to have a bit more control over the site. So I was giving you, you know, step by step of how to operate within the, 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 the site framework that I'd set up. And actually, if you don't want to have that and you'd rather just send the plugin to me, I mean, that's totally fine because you do all of the podcast um, uh, you know editing and uh, putting together the the actual podcast file and i have historically done the site stuff so i'm happy just to do that work it was just i guess because i was away and i didn't want you to not feel like you couldn't do it or didn't have like i just created this sort of hidden system of doing it so i was like all right let's do collaboration and um but yeah i'm happy to take the plugin zip and do it and get it installed cool. we're still yeah. friends don't worry about it <laughs> Oh, well, I feel like, I feel like this is yeah this has reached new a sort of a new emotional level of uh, of this podcast. It's good. Like I'm worried about what you're thinking. You're worried about what I'm thinking. You know, we've got we've got different different attitudes to life. This is this is um, this is deep, Jack. I'm enjoying it. It is. It's something to do with the fact that you're now in a house and I'm in outside in the garden. I think we've yeah. swapped our loca our locations. Yeah, it's all changed. On a completely separate note, is that an Indiana Jones poster behind you in a frame? It, it is. It is. It was on the wall in the office, but you couldn't see it because it was to the left of me. So this is yeah, the, the last crusade. I picked it up a while ago or years ago and finally got a frame for it when I moved into the office. So I now need to put it up somewhere. But it's, yeah, it's the best one of the three. I say three. I won't count the fourth. The last crusade. The third yeah. one. What was Sean Connery? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Really? 
Oh no, we've got more friction. <laughs> Come on, talk to me. What's your? F- Please don't say Temple of Doom. No, Please. I won't. You, and there's only one. Re- well, there's not one reason for that. It's not. I don't think it's as good. Um, but I would. I would say um, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm, close second, sure. <laughs> sure. Um, no, Temple of <laughs> Doom. I think I had on video as a kid, so I have overwatched it for my entire life. Uh, yeah. I don't ever see that movie ever again that being said i think i watched it about a month ago (laughs) (laughs) when it was on tv and you're just like oh i need to watch it it's fine yeah yeah Yeah, something like that i think but yeah no it's um i I think there's something about the sean connery aspect of um the last crusade and the holy grail that kind of stuff i i mean raids of the lost ark is great but do you know what i was thinking i've been listening to so many podcasts recently and um I've been listening to doing it for the kids and I've been listening to WPMRR and indie hackers and trying to consume lots of other podcasts. Cause I've been driving a lot. Me too. Um, Those three specifically. How funny. Yeah. They're, they're brilliant podcasts, but, and I've been like, I think you said, you know, we need to probably up our game a little bit in terms of what we say and what we do and um, editing and all this sort of stuff. And uh, they, a lot of them start with like a funny comment or a funny quote from within the podcast. And yeah, I think we've just probably got some fodder for that around Indiana Jones. But also, I we should the exact same idea for this. Yeah, there's been a number of times that I've I have thought as I've been speaking or you've been speaking this episode, I thought ask her at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and I think it, you know, it's a case of that those podcasts work well, and it's not a case of copying. It's a case of you know that this is a good a good format. But they also do things at the end by saying like, and we didn't do this with Elliot, like if they've had an interview, uh, an interviewee come on and they should say, they say at the end, like, just tell our listeners where they can find you online. You know, what are your stuff online? You know, and actually give a bit more of a shout out to Elliot himself, the, the plugin or whatever. But, and they also follow up with a, please, if you enjoyed the podcast, like go to iTunes, do a review uh, or, you know, give a star rating or whatever, because it will help people find the podcast, which we don't do. Uh, and also like indie hackers has a really good like if you go to indiehackers.com forward slash review it will take you straight to itunes and it'll open your itunes app to make it even easier to find their podcast and do a review so i think we should set up a um i've added it to trello set up a a review link and maybe even just like a pre-recorded bit that goes at the end just to say please review us because like as much as i enjoy just talking to you there's no point like if nobody else finds us through iTunes, it would be quite good to increase that listener base, I think. Yeah. yeah. Now, when I add this link, do I have to do that in Composer? I'm, uh, I'm going to have to do it on the server, to be honest. So I'm going to have to do it. In, yeah. I'll do it, Jack. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Can I do it at the WordPress yeah. admin, please? Can yeah. I have permission? <laughs> I, I tell you what, I've really enjoyed this catch-up because I don't feel like we're recording a podcast, which I feel like sometimes... I felt restricted by seeing the recording sign in Zoom. Like this has felt a bit more natural. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's been an actually, it's been an hour. I thought we were going to do a short one. It's going to be in an hour. I tell you what, though, the, the worst thing about this podcast uh, isn't the friction because I actually enjoy that. I think that's going to be great, great conversation. I feel like I know you a little bit better now. Nice, it's yeah. the fact that I got a new webcam, and I was using my MacBook webcam, which was over to one side, and I've got. Uh, I got a new webcam. I got it yesterday because I wanted to be able to position it around and, you know, wherever I wanted in my office and stuff. And I look really old all of a sudden. Mm. Are you not it's using the Zoom touch-up feature? No, I'm not. I definitely need to now, though. 1080p, just I've got to oh. yeah, go back to the MacBook camera. <laughs> yeah. 720p, hide the lines. Oh, yeah, definitely. No, yeah, yeah let's, let's not rush to put the videos out then. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Yeah, maybe wait, wait until I had a bit more sleep and recovered from having another child. Oh, yeah, that, is, that stuff is real, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, he's going through something at the moment, I tell you. He's it doesn't matter. Sort of sleep thing. He's been pretty good, to be fair. But, you know, anyway, there we go. Yeah. Well, I guess we should wrap it up. As you said, it's just, well, just under an hour, I think, with a little bit of a preamble. But no, I, obviously, yeah, it's a different format to this week. Or the, uh, this this episode, and I've enjoyed it. But if you've listened to it and you thought, Ugh, "Stop talking about other stuff," like talk more WordPress or get more people on the podcast, like do more interviews, just let us know what you 
like to listen to because we could probably talk about lots of different things. So yeah, I, I would, we should think of something else, uh, some WordPressy things to talk about next time. I think um, it'd be nice. It was just nice to have a chat and a catch up. A lot of stuff has happened, and it, and it's only been what three weeks, I think. Yeah, yeah, it seems a while ago when we spoke to Elliot. I mean, that was a different kind of episode, our first interview. Um, but yeah, we'll probably try and get back to more WordPress topics um, next time, and just tweet us, leave a comment on the episode when it's up. Uh, and just just let us know what you what you'd like listen, to listen to. But I've, yeah, I've been feel talking. free to tell me how wrong I am about composer and send me some nice links to get started. Well, not get started. I've used it before, but you know, like to to continue with it because it's because we talk so much. Actually, it'd be quite nice to know a bit more about it. I'm, not, I'm certainly not fully clued up on it. So if anyone's got any good links they want to send me, please feel free. Well, I, I, I definitely feel like we should do more developer sort of technical deep dives into things so maybe we should just do a a composer therapy session uh and you know take you through it and and get you yeah this is what you need to do i just want to install it yeah actually have a have a technical workshop that we can all watch and afterwards yeah we'll we'll see maybe that's not the best idea but it has been a pleasure talking to you jack Yeah, and to you, Ian. Yeah, it's been really good. I look forward to recording the next one in a couple of weeks. Yeah, all right, take it easy. And you, bye.